Hi guys, it's Rachel in Recovery. We're back with Alicia Patterson, LPC, and she does body work. She's back with us to tell the rest of her story. Um, and is the body work covered under insurance? I work under massage, so it's um, LMTs, my official credential in Colorado. So I'm not a PT. I did my training with a PT who was incredible, and I wanted to um, have that kind of heavy-duty anatomy focus because I'm trained as a counselor. I felt like the emotional piece, like I felt equipped, and I wanted to really make sure I covered my bases with the anatomy training. Um, and it's a it's a gray zone in Colorado. They, you know, the statutes and the bodywork language are like they just say sexual contact is not allowed. So I make sure that my paperwork says this is therapeutic touch. It's not sexual touch. Sexual touch is never permitted. And we're working with this part of the body in a holistic, gentle way. So it's, um, it's taboo. It's, I have gotten really good at talking about it because of okay. the questions and I want people to ask questions. You know, I think it's really smart of clients to make sure that they're talking about all of this with their practice. So have, do you take insurance or does it, uh, or is that more cash or how does that all work? Yeah, I don't take insurance because um, insurance doesn't cover massage work. It covers PT. Sometimes I'll refer someone to a physical therapist. And most people that I end up working with, they want the slower, very consensual, very trauma-informed experience. And some PTs are incredible with that. And some PTs are, you know, they're more medically oriented and their appointments can be a little fast. So, um, I don't take much insurance. I do take insurance for some of my counseling work, but insurance doesn't cover any massage work. Um, if some, somebody, you know, had trauma and would like to, to get treatment, what are some of the things they should know before going in? That's a great question. So let's see. My initial answer is different things work for different people. I don't ever think that there is like a, this is the formula and this is what you need to do. I think that listening to oneself and being curious and noticing what resonates is what's most important and can be very healing for someone. That said, I always advocate for counseling work. I think that having a therapist who someone feels very safe with and is truly equipped to stick with them through the journey, you know, therapists are people. So not every therapist is like always the right fit or really equipped. So interviewing your people and making sure that you ask a lot of questions and safely building a trusting relationship. It takes time to build trust. And if you want to go deeper, trauma-informed bodywork with, uh, I mean, there's tons of different bodywork modalities. Cranial sacral is one that is so gentle and can be very, very supportive. 
and um, there's lots of kind of light touch modalities that I don't really advocate for super aggressive touch work if someone has a trauma history. I, I think it can kick things up and be hard to navigate if it's like a, um, you know, like deep visceral manipulation and digging into someone's core. I'm like, oh, I don't tend to respond very well to that type of work. So I stick with gentle work and um, things like cranial sacral Anyone that can work with intergenerational and family stuff, I think can be incredible. Dance movement therapy practices, yoga for sure. Yoga was my like first kind of entry into just working with myself. And then I started to feel like I needed more. And then I entered acupuncture and that was my first real healing relationship. And, um, she actually encouraged me to start therapy. And that's when I was like, okay, you know, cause there's so much stigma around therapy and mental health work and people are afraid of it. And sometimes rightfully so, you know, the psychology world is a very complicated field. So finding someone that is holistic and can really support and understand what you're going through is um, it's tricky. It can be hard to find someone that's the right person for you. But I advocate for empowerment, asking a ton of questions, interviewing people, building a relationship slowly, and you can always progress further. But once you kind of go too far, you can't take it back. And that's what I feel like the trauma-informed piece is um, very important to talk to practitioners about. Okay. I mean, yeah, I do acupuncture and I, they've done, uh, the chiropractor does emotional therapy through chiropractic. I don't know if you've ever heard of that, but. Oh yeah. I think that there are some chiropractors that are total healers and they are, um, you know, like a healer, someone that really wants to work with the body in a gentle, very like healing way instead of, instead of a manipulative way. Um, you know, they exist in all forms. Like there's nurses, there's medical doctors, chiropractors, counselors, body workers, and that's been the biggest thing that has touched me in my work with myself is uh, people who have a lot of training, but who also resonate with the field of healing. Okay. Work. Um, what about trauma and overactive bladder? Cause you're doing the pelvic floor exercises. Does that help with that? And is there a pattern with the overactive bladder? Absolutely. Yeah. There are a wide variety of bladder symptoms. I mean, our digestion and our urinary system is our most um, active system. We have to use that system constantly and our other organs we also use constantly, but you know, like the spleen and the pancreas are a little slower. They're a little deeper so, and the uterus, you know, uterus has a monthly cycle and the bladder is um, pretty much constant. Like we're constantly filtering through our urinary system and our kidneys, like I said before, are responsible for adrenaline and cortisol. So if our kidneys are 
I like to go to the origin. I always love to work with the kidneys first if someone's having a bladder challenge because I feel like the kidneys are a little bit of the foundation of what's going on with the whole urinary system. So um, energetically working with the kidneys, with touch work, with herbs, with um, compresses, with meditation, with visualization, I think can be incredible. And then from there, sometimes the bladder will start to change or sometimes it gets more intense before it gets better. Um, but incontinence, um, urge, urgency, nocturia, like having to get up a lot during the night, UTIs, which, you know, urinary tract infection where you constantly feel like you have to pee, but you sit down and nothing will come out. I've worked with all different types of urinary challenges and uh, the bladder is an incredible organ. It has a mucus lining. It ha it's very sensitive. It responds to stress acutely. It needs a lot of love. So there are um, like, there's kind of different approaches to working with it. Herbalism can be amazing. Pelvic steaming can be amazing. Massage work can be very impactful. Sometimes it can be hard to tolerate. It can feel like, whoa, like you're very near my organ. You know, that's like one of the most vulnerable things we can experience, I think. So there's lots of different ways to start to get into working with the bladder. And it depends on what someone is ready for and what they want. And the more holistic non-invasive measures can totally take care of symptoms for some people. And then for other people, they'll do those and it will help a little bit or it will resolve a lot of things, but not all of it. And so sometimes working with those internal tissues can absolutely relieve things that like just taking herbs or doing steaming like won't fully resolve. So it's a lot of different answers and a lot of different roads that one can go down when it comes to things. Um, any symptom like menstrual stuff, um, ovarian cysts, you know, body work and then holistic attempts like supplements or herbs or using things like packs, um, like warm heat on top of the body and different things work for different people. And I've tried all of them because I've had my own pelvic health journey for a long okay. time now. Um, what do you do for self-care? Oh yeah, that, that's a, I do a lot. I, I joke that, you know, it really, it takes a full team to support someone and especially someone that, um, works with clients at, you know, if, if the person working with clients is not really well in themselves, then I don't feel like we have that much to give. So I do a lot of self-care for myself so that I make sure that I stay really good in my work with people. And that looks like a lot of things at home, like castor oil packs, pelvic steaming, um, skincare routine, body oiling, dry brushing, salt baths, eating really well, uh, getting sunlight, like trying to get myself outside for some sunlight. Sun really affects our brain. Getting adequate sleep, 
not looking at screens late at night. Like these are all kind of like my baseline of just trying to give myself the best possible um, chance at health. And then outside of the home, I have my own body worker who I see regularly twice a month. I have my therapist I see twice a month. I do um, a lot of jaw work with myself. I'm actually about to get the adult tongue and lip tie release procedure, which is like a whole thing that I've only found out about in the last couple years. So um, it takes a lot, you know, and it's always tricky to balance. Like, do I need to be constantly running around to all these appointments? What can I do at home? What do I need to have a practitioner for? I used to see an acupuncturist regularly. Um, they moved away, so I'm kind of in transit about finding a new person. But it's been many, many years of consistently engaging in all of these things. And it's taken a lot of time for my system to like respond fully. And sometimes in the first year, it can be very frustrating. And it's like, why isn't this working? And you know, it just, it's such a journey. Like it, it takes a long time for things to turn around in a very profound way. So I advocate for the long journey and um, setting things up to be sustainable. Okay. Um, how has this impacted your faith? Oh yeah, my faith. I forgot that you had that question. I really um, feel that uh, let's see. The bodywork journey for me has been very spiritual in a way that I wasn't really expecting. Um, you know, I've had my own faith journey with religion. I grew up Catholic, so I was pretty steeped in Catholicism as a young person and uh, have had a whole process of stepping away from that and making my own choices as an adult. And one of the most interesting things to me was once I started addressing lineage work, which I feel is very powerful, uh, just my own stuff, my own family, and starting to ask a lot of questions and looking into one of my grandparents was Jewish. And I had always had a lot of exposure to Judaism as a child through friendships and had a curiosity and a fascination with it. And it was just always kind of put away because I was raised Catholic. And then as an adult, I started really looking into Judaism and connecting with that part of my roots. So I went to synagogue. I um, lit candles for the Hanukkah holiday. I was just trying to feel that part of myself. And it was actually a little painful for me because it had been my whole life of looking at this religion and this culture from the outside. And then as an adult feeling like, do I really get to claim this for myself? You know, I had a whole process with that of connecting with it on some level and then also not really connecting and feeling like an outsider and feeling like I don't belong here and um, had a lot of feelings about that grandparent and their family and what they went through and questions and not knowing things. 
So uh, that was a kind of really big part of my spiritual journey with myself. And that was many years ago. And at this point, I feel like I just don't know. Like I have so many questions. I don't really um, subscribe to any certain faith. There's never anything that's felt like that's me. Um, I really believe that spiritual awakening and quote spiritual experiences are brain related. There are so many studies that prove that certain spiritual experiences are correlated with certain parts of the brain, brain activity. So I'm just on a journey and the more I learn and the more I ask questions and the more I wonder, the more I feel like the more I don't know. And um, I actually did a research project when I was in graduate school on faith and religion And this person that I was working for as a graduate assistant gave me the project to study all of the major religions and like, just take a look. Um, And what I ended up finding was that they all at their core really seem to be the same thing. They all talk about the body. They all talk about breath. They all talk about prayer and intention. They all talk about love and they all have different ways of like manifesting that and different stories and different archetypes. So um, I'm not a religious person, but I do feel connected and curious about the world and um, some type of spiritual curiosity. Uh, But, you know, I'm kind of like a typical white American that has lost my roots and doesn't really have any core like culture that I really can relate to. And I haven't felt right about stepping into one of them and saying, well, this is, this is mine now. Um, so I'm just, you know, kind of feel like a faith orphan almost. Fair enough. Is there anything else you would like to add? Um, No, I just, I want to be an advocate for mental health and women's health. Uh, Really, I mean, reproductive health, ultimately. The, what's happening around the conversation around gender is huge in this country. And what's happening around abortion is huge. And that's my main focus is working with mental health and uterine health. You know, it's like we have a real big thing that we're facing in this country around all of it. So I just invite people to be curious about themselves and seek support. And if you have the resources to access support, to absolutely get support in place for yourself. I used to feel like Um, some type of support. I mean, whatever, whoever you choose, it doesn't have to be a therapist. I'm a therapist. So that's what I say, but having some type of healing relationship in your life for me used to be a luxury. And now because of COVID and because of what the world is going through and because of the long-term fallout of what we're seeing, having support is a requirement. Like I feel like it's a baseline 
and so many people don't have access to any support. So that's my message is if you have the ability, lean into support. If you have the resources, access it for yourself and put it in place. Like it's worth it to pay for that versus getting your nails done. Like if that's the choice. No, I mean, getting your nails done is therapeutic, but so is the. Yeah. Absolutely. So is therapy. All okay, right. Sorry. Um, I think that's it. Um, thanks for being on our show and hopefully to keep in touch. Um, as always, always Thank listeners, you. Thank you. as always listeners, follow us on your favorite platform for social media and podcast. If you have any questions, reach out to Rachel and and always tune in on Thursday at 10 AM. Thanks. Thanks.